Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution.
And that was Lady J Houston from her brand new release. And we got Lady J on the line right now. Hey, Lady J, how are you today? Hey, Rich, I am wonderful. And I'm feeling extra blessed and uh, so happy to be here with you today. And I am happy to have you on. Now, this is the first time you've been on our show. And we always like to start things off by giving our fans an opportunity to get to know who you are, not only as an artist, but as a person. And the best way to do that is to look at your journey, how you got to where you are today. So give us the story of Lady J. Houston. Well, thank you so much. Um, I came from a very musical family. My mother, Lois Houston, a fabulous singer here in St. Louis, Missouri, and shows, and she had me on her shows as a child uh, dancer. I was a modern dancer. I opened her shows. I was also dancing in clubs at 12 years old. I was in a dance group, uh, Afro wigs and uh, boots and hot pants <laughs> in, the, in the 70s. And then I, uh, in grade school, I picked up my first wind instrument, which was a flutophone. And I learned how to read music then. And later, uh, also in grade school, I started playing uh, a single drum, uh, which was like a tenor drum, or sometimes a, sen uh, a snare drum. And I marched uh, in parades as a single drummer. Then I uh, went to uh, Central High School, and I saw this movie uh, with Ben Vereen portraying Louis Armstrong, and I just loved it. And, and I said, I went to that. And I did it and was playing in a course. And um, then when I was in high school, I started trumpet in the intermediate class because I knew how to read rhythms and music, but I was still learning the trumpet. So I kept learning the trumpet. And then I surpassed body and I became like the lead chair in the marching band, I also was in the concert choir, and my mom's voice is contralto, and so I had a deep voice as well, So, but he didn't know where to place me, so one time I was in the tenor section, and then my teacher heard me goofing off, squealing some high notes, and he says, oh, I'm going to put you in the soprano section. I was like, I don't know how to sing soprano. He says, no, we're going to get you in soprano. So then I developed a very high vocal range, soprano. And then um, I was voted most student and valedictorian. And also as I was in high school, I was going to uh, the, a community college. So I got a music scholarship. University of Kansas, I majored in music theory and composition. And then I came back home and for Albert King band, and I started touring with him. And then a whole lot of other things started developing after that. Okay. Now, let's talk about the new release. Um, if you were to run into someone in the street and you wanted to get them excited about this release, what would you tell them? 
Oh, that's a wonderful question. I say, I say, this is a, a compilation of my life story. I wrote nine of the 12, and most are true stories of heartbreak, uh, wonderful love affairs, and just having a good time. And it intertwines the loves that I have in music, which is the main flute. But I sneak in some soul music, and I have a big band composition I wrote for 18 pieces. That's also to have a, a, a fun journey and dance and slow dance and just have a great time enjoying mixtures and different instruments that you don't hear in blues recordings. And, you know, full orchestrations, you know, it's just a very uh, a mix of just a lot of good stuff. Okay. Now, um, let's talk about you as a songwriter, because everything starts with a good song. Uh, when you sit down to begin the process of writing, what is your mechanism that allows you to kind of tap into your muse? I am very broad area. I might hear some birds chirping and notes that they're chirping. I might start with uh, the drum. I might wake up from a dream and the song is nearly completed. I might, uh, a thought come to me about a uh, title. Sometimes the title comes first and then I build a song off of um, and I have a you know a love of cell phones now that anytime something comes to mind with a melody or there's a recorder on my cell phone and I capture it and come back to it later. Uh, sometimes I'm at my piano and just playing some chords and that's prayer a song. And then I try most of the time to always incorporate what's going on in my life or someone else's life. I, I like it based on reality. Okay. Now, um, you know, every song, songwriters today have embraced a lot of the technology that's out there. Um, whether it's a cell phone for capturing ideas or a home recording studio to kind of lay out a structure and then write to that structure. What are some of the tools you have found to be indispensable to you as a writer? Uh, I would say I, my basic thing is the the voice recorder <laughs> on my phone. And then I have some apps uh, on the phone that I made. Uh, iReal Pro is when I'm using Audacity. And uh, I use um, my keyboard that has, uh, you know, MIDI and um, repeating uh, sequences. And I, uh, I love playing still the uh, horns, arrangements, uh, bass line, uh, how I want the drums to go. So those are the, the main that that I would say. Um, and that I, I might incorporate in, in the process. So I, I have a, a digital audio workstation, but 
So I am just now getting involved in uh, doing that. And so, you know, I write from hand. Uh, I write the chord charts and everything. So another, you know, I'm from the old school, <laughs> I'm still old school in that respect that I, I write. So uh, I need to come up to, to the world of getting the charts and electronically. So I, I hire that out. I take my hand charts or take my arrangements and then uh, chart it for me. So that's something that I, I need to move into the current world. Okay. Now, you know, uh, uh, I was uh, reading about an interview that Ed Sheeran had given to Swedish uh, radio and he had a real revelation uh when he was in that interview that he used some of the AI songwriting tools to write uh, that his last release. And in fact, he said one of the songs on his last release was completely done with AI. Now, some of these AI software tools out there are really powerful. Um, they can help with lyrics. They can help with melody. They can help with chord structures, even arrangements how to you know get arrangements done would you find this to be something that you would you would check out just as a tool not as a crutch but to kind of fight the blank page to kind of give you inspiration to move forward oh you know i i love technology yes uh i do a lot of video and graphics and things like that uh so uh, you know, I was for many years a systems analyst, so and, you know I do website administration, so technology, and that respect. So I would, uh, I definitely am going to uh, pursue learning what it does. As far as music, I've seen some examples of what it does for uh, writing, and so even the art, I have not seen what it does for the music side yet okay but I, I'm, I'm open to taking it out yes oh yeah i mean they're doing it with art they're doing it with photography they're doing it with i mean ai is is really you mm -hmm. know uh, becoming a big part of the web three uh revolution that next generation of uh of of the yes, internet it is. uh now uh, let's talk a little bit about when is a song done. Every artist has their quantifier that determines when a song is ready to move from that writing phase into production. And we all know that even in the studio it evolves, and it evolves even after the studio when you take it on the road. But you got to get to that point where you bring it to the studio. What is your quantifier? What do you use to determine... When a song is ready to move into the production phase? Well, once I have all of my lyrics rhymed up nicely and I have intro, verses, bridge, outro, vamps, I'm on a, I want to end with, uh, that all structured, I'm ready to go. And like you said, once you get into the studio, uh, things develop on the spot and make sure we got it together and and I said you know that really sounded good I hadn't planned on doing that and he says I got it <laughs> <laughs> so uh, 
uh, that was really great. And so that's that's a practice that I'm going to keep, uh, no matter what I'm doing. We're good. And then, yeah, my uh, what I love about the studio, of course, is how you can take snippets and you know mix it in wherever you want to. That's that's the love I have in the studio. So uh, yeah, so you know from uh, the structure and the lyrics, and then go and tell see what magic happens while we're there and finish it. And then, like you said, once you start playing it live, something else might come off. Uh, so a lot of it's hard. Uh, some fans might really get attached to the arrangement that they heard on the record, and that's what they want to hear. Um, so that's that's a little juggling act you, you have to go through. Are we going to you know, switch it up like we accidentally did last year. It's like they heard it on the record and uh, wanted it. So it's the only juggling thing about being completely done with it. Because like you said, once you're performing it live, inspiration comes and it might bring to the song. Right. Now, uh, let's talk about going into the studio because that's uh, another art form in itself. Uh, every artist has their way of capturing the sound that they're looking for. They have a process in the studio that works for them. Uh, what is your process when you get into the studio that helps you capture the sound you're looking for? Well, I come from the world of performance. And I prefer to have everybody in the studio together and record it straight through. And sometimes that one take, I'm done. Um, if we need to, we'll go back and do overdubbing, add extra instruments or add some extra background and uh, maybe some uh, to s certain sections of the song, but um, I prefer everybody in the studio together. And then and later on, uh, like I said, if I need to, and uh, sometimes I might have other people in the studio just so that I can perform to somebody and get their feel. I, I, I do a lot of... Um, picking up from what reactions I'm seeing from someone. So uh, sometimes it's just some other people in there and they help bring the energy that I'm, I'm shooting for. Okay. Now um, let's talk about uh, the lineup. Who's on, who's playing on this? <laughs> I want to tell your audience to go to my my personal page. Now I'll show. I'll share this on my um, my music page is Lady J Houston and for Joyce. So I have a, a personal page. And the other day I said, let me just make sure. I want. I'm so excited to tell everybody that we've got some uh, playing going on with the radio stations, and I'm so excited. And I want to give a shout out to everybody that was involved. And knew that when we put I put an eight booklet together uh, that's on the, uh, the the physical CD, 
And as I was uh, trying to, you know, give everybody some credit, I forgot a few people. So this thing has about 30 musicians on it. Wow. Okay. okay. I, I had uh, that 1880s uh, I wrote uh, with the Jazz Edge Orchestra, and we recorded that on um, the compilation CD with the St. Louis Blues Society. So I did a remix of that so that I definitely wanted it on this album. So that's 18 right there. And then I would bring in different players. And so I've got like a keyboardist named Jocelyn. She was there uh, when the we first started the, the studio sessions here. And I then shared the phone and like Ashton Proctor on guitar. And then I had a drummer's uh, Charles Motherson and uh, Frank Dunbar, uh, the bassist. He's, he's, and then uh, one of the musicians got COVID. And so we stopped the whole session. And then someone else got COVID. So then, and then my doctor said, I just want you to stay home. So the album process, like, just sat for about a year. And then back up, uh, different musicians, uh, you know, they were tied up with, with various things. So I ended up getting other players. So I have, uh, let's see, Lloyd Butch, Butch, we call it on the Facebook page. He's doing drums. I've got Paul Niehaus. He's, I did one of the recordings in his studio, and he also plays guitar, and he's doing background vocals. Sometimes I recruit my musicians, like Wade Long, uh, to also sing back. He's with Dwayne Smotherson. Uh, he's actually on the album as a background vocalist, but he's a fantastic drummer. Um, Andrea Gale, a lady I went to uh, University of Kansas with, I found her uh, last year. And my friend Anna and my one of my cousins, Blaine, uh, is singing on there. So it's the uh, it's only one basis that's on uh, the the majority of the tracks. That's Frank Dunbar, and then um, the Jazz Edge Orchestra. Uh, was with Sam, and for some reason his name is Skip. Uh, I'm missing his name at <laughs> the moment. I'm so sorry. Uh, and then when I lived in Washington D.C., uh, there was a band called D.C. Unlimited, and they are on the song uh, "Tear Me Apart." So that's how we ended up in different musicians. Okay. Now, of course, you got to get it out there once you get it recorded. And you're working with um, uh, Bessie Brown from Blind Raccoon. Uh, tell me a little bit about that relationship. I was introduced to the Michael Frank, who is the uh, distributor of the album uh, with Earwig Music. And I had a Zoom meeting with her. I have heard about her fantastic reputation, and she's a maverick in blues, marketing and publicity, and connections with the radio stations. So when I found out that she was available and interested in my project, I got extremely excited. So I got Betsy Brown. 
<laughs> I call it number one uh, blues publicist. Uh, if there is another person that's number one, I, I don't know who they are because everyone I talked to, they were referring me as that's the one you met. So she is busy. She is noise with this album. I am just in entrenched with her uh, connections and her professionalism. And so it's, 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 uh, we just really started hardcore just like two weeks ago. And she's got so much happening, like even couldn't make me with you. It's just been amazing. It's like I'm in a whirlwind of activity right now, thanks to her. All right. Now, let's talk about the industry. Now, you've gone to college for, for music and, and, and all of the technical aspects, but, of course, the business aspect is important to artists as well. And one of the things that has been, I guess, the elephant in the room here is the, the consumer out there has uh, really embraced streaming as a way to consume music today. Uh, they don't want to store it on their phone. They don't want to store it on their shelves. They want to be able to access everything that's been recorded in the last hundred years at the flick of a finger. And for the consumer, it's a no-brainer. I mean, for 10, 14, whatever it is per month, they've got access to all the music they could ever want. And people are consuming more, but yet paying less. Uh, the problem is that Recorded music no longer has that status as a product to purchase. It's now a service. Uh, and it's a completely different mindset. How has this shift in perception by the consumer affected you as an artist? Honestly, I didn't even think it was worth going to the studio to make an album. Because... When music out on these streaming services, it's less than a penny of the revenue, so it takes just a million plays or something to make any kind of money with it. And so I wasn't even pursuing it. I, I love the process of songwriting, with writing and I play my songs, you know, on my show, and that's where I was. But uh, I was, I was, I was. You know, and advise that that that's not going to help my career. Uh, I still have to put the music out. So my debut full album, even though I've been performing over forty years and you know making titles and getting you know different things uh, for performance. So I've been mainly a performer. So uh, I started putting out a few singles. And fortunately, though, selling at the, there's still much interest. People at the shows, they do you have CDs or you just let them know you have merchandise and you have CDs, and they will come and buy your CDs. And they want your autograph and enjoy. And so this is why this, this uh, Groovy Baby album, I went further than most people will do to make this an eight-page booklet with photos, stories behind every song, everybody getting all their credit, forward review in, in there. One of them have like a, something to read as they 
experience the book. So those who just get the digital download, they're not going to get the full breadth of what I'm presenting with this album. So uh, without fly or whatever, you're not going to see much activity right now. So this is why it's important for me to meet with people like you and hopefully garner more uh, streams and things with these services to build my presence on the streaming services. Okay. Now, um, we, we all know that uh, the revenue we get from streaming is, uh, how can I say, uh, not a sustainable business model. Uh, we can't continue to run an industry where we're not fairly compensating the artists that are creating the content. And we got to change that dynamic. What do you think needs to happen to help us get to a, a better place? I just think the, the leaders of the streaming services, they should provide um we, we should, you know, having to share, you know, some, some they have different uh, algorithms, how they disperse the the profits that come in, but we need to read them, and uh, I don't have to get Congress uh, more involved uh, so that, you know, even sometimes it seems like the songwriters, they're not getting there and the performer will. And I'm both in most cases. Uh, I just think we're going to have to get um, legal representation and some, you know, federal things going on so that it can uh, be profitable or it's an insane industry. Uh, the uh, digital music has uh, developed into, and I, I, it's not just in the United States. Uh, we'd have to get um, uh, you know, worldwide and engagement, and that's why I was tickled when some of the artists that also Spotify and you know Rebellion. Uh, I, I would say maybe if we everybody rebelled and <laughs> stopped. Uh, providing the music that might uh, make some noise, but it would have to be the, the uh, because there's tons of music coming in on a daily basis. So it would, we definitely would need the, the power of the superstars to help put the foot down and say, you know, we want to, it's right. And you got students, um, you know, make, make it more profitable for us to uh, in, enjoy the, the fruits of our labor as what you've been able to get from playing our music. Okay. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about some of the future things that are happening with streaming. I've been watching this technology lately, and I think we're, we're, there is a promise that there could be a future where this, may, this ship, it may right the ship. Uh, one of the things that I'm watching is this technology that is the streaming services that are being built on the blockchain, which is that technology that cryptocurrency uses. And one of the big promises of cryptocurrency is the fact that it is decentralized. No country, no bank, no company can own 
the the blockchain, own the the uh, mechanism in which cryptocurrency is created through. And these new streaming services are operating in much the same way in that no company can go in and own the streaming service. It's owned by the fans. It's owned by the artists that are putting up their content. And they're claiming that they can pay up to 80% of the incoming revenue back to the artist. What do you think of that as a potential for the future? Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go for it. I'm I'm all in. Whatever I have to do to participate, uh, legislation, uh, to help and let's do it. I, I love it. Okay. What well, What do we need to do? Rich? Tell me what we need to do. <laughs> let's advise me here. Well, it's they're, they're what, already. Up. What, what mean, is it? What's required? Absolutely nothing. You can go on Audius right now. It's a u d i u s dot i o, and you can put your music up there right now. On these on this streaming service, it's backed by Katy Perry, Jason Derulo, uh, Nas, Pusha T, and there is this other technology that I find really interesting. Uh, they're taking uh, this this one site called Royal.io, and what they're doing is is they're allowing you to create these non fungible tokens or these NFTs that represent a portion of your royalties, whether it's streaming or publishing, whatever the case may be. And Nas did this with two songs off his last release, and he made enough of these NFTs to represent one half of the streaming royalties on two songs. He sold them to his fan base and was able to generate almost $600,000 in upfront income. And... To top it off, he now has almost 3,000 fans that have an economic interest in making sure that his music is streamed. And to top it off, because these things are based on smart contracts, every time these things are resold, he gets a commission on that resold price forever. It's like you can buy and sell these things like on a stock. They're almost like stocks in a song. Uh, what do you think of that as a potential wow. for artists? Uh, thank you for educating me about this. I was not aware at all. So I am heading over there as soon as we finish this interview. You hear and learn more and participate. Uh, and uh, I have some beautiful fans, and I'm going to share this with them and see what we can do uh, to, to get me engaged as much as possible. This is you lifting me, knowing that there is not just down with the way the spot friend or you know all of those guys are doing iTunes, and uh, you just opened a whole new door of um opportunity and i i thank you so much oh my pleasure i mean you can go to to the website at makingascene.org and i have some articles on all of these uh technologies and things that are coming up to kind of give you a primer to get you started so you can check that out as as a way to get your get the juices flowing let's put it that way 
Yeah, just see something about an, an AI uh, article you had on there, and I was like, oh, what what what's going on here? Uh, yeah. So yeah, I will continue to delve into the site more. Yes, okay. I will. Thank Great. you. Yeah, my pleasure. Now, uh, of course, you know when the pandemic hit. Uh, a lot of artists started to create content, whether it was live streaming on Facebook or YouTube. And that evolved even to, you know, letting artists, letting the fans in on your everyday activities. You know, all these artists were kind of hanging around the house. So they started making videos of their children, their puppies, their kittens, their chickens, whatever they had running around their yard. And the fans mm-hmm. really gravitated to that. And if you think about it, we've been inundated with reality show content for over 30 years. So we're very acclimated to that raw uh, authentic, authenticity that we get from reality shows. And the fans really are thirsting for that. And they want that kind of content uh, that they can feel that they're close to the artists they're listening to. What are some of the things that you are doing with um, social media and with content creation that's helping you stay connected to your fans and advancing your brand as well as, you know, getting them excited about this new release? I I have, have the two Facebook pages and I need to transition my activity from a page because it's at its max of 5,000 and uh, I want to grow the Lady J. Houston page. Now, my personal page, I'm afraid to be that way on my uh, business page because, uh, you know, people like you and other in the uh, industry might be, you know, agents and things go over there and don't know if I should show how I am. So I'm, I show my silliness on my personal page and I do a lot of live stream. Uh, I'll say I'm on my way to the show or I might be driving the car and then I'll share what's going on, where I'm going. Sometimes I'm feeling good, say I'm good. Uh, I, I, I did an interview earlier uh, with uh, another radio station. So I shared where I was in the studio and all the hearts and the likes and and the feedback, I I just love it. I am very active. My main media, uh, multiple social media site is Facebook. I am uh, getting a lot of uh, interest on TikTok, and so I am doing a work there. Uh, it, to my Facebook page, I want to find an, uh, a whole new audience there. And TikTok keeps trying to say, connect with Facebook. No, TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to meet new people. And make, uh, I, I'll do a dance film. I'll just talk. Um, and I'll take little snippets and, and do filters uh, 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 use some of their templates and just uh, keep keep my people. Sorry about that noise. Yeah, I, I am. Uh, uh, I, I love social media. Yeah. Well, and you know, so now on my yeah. website. Yeah. 
ahead. Yeah, I, I uh, created a blog on my website, and so I'm I'm basically a uh, there. So I need to get more engaged with Instagram, but uh, I'm having more fun with uh, uh, Facebook, which is my history, and TikTok. Okay. Well, TikTok is is really has become the number one place that's breaking new artists. That seems to be what's happening is they get broken mm-hmm. on TikTok and then people start gravitating to their other um, outlets, whether it's their website, Facebook page, their Spotify. It's kind of the, the top of the funnel for uh, a lot of artists, you know? Yeah, I, 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 was, I was just reading it. It was like uh, a 40% transfer rate. Uh, from TikTok to uh, going over to see what, what what the artist is doing on the other places, I was I didn't even realize it was that. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's considered one uh, digital service platform for for music as well. So uh, I'm happy to see that. And I, I'm hoping that the the government doesn't get too upset and uh, try to take it away. Uh, is 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 providing a good all the industry. Um, not just history. I hope it stays. I I really do. I I, I don't want it to go away. I I, I enjoy it so well, much. Yeah, I mean, even if it does go away, because we know these things come and go. I mean, look at MySpace. You know, that's long gone already. Um, you know, there's Clapper. There's other platforms that are like TikTok that would immediately take its place. No matter what, so I don't think we're going to lose the um, the platform as a concept. You know, we may lose the platform, okay. you know, because of you know the Chinese government and, and the fact that they're you know gathering data on right. on us, and you know they're kind of making you know the uh, the the rest of the world kind of nervous about it. But you know there are there are so many of these platforms that just would immediately rise and and uh, and fill the void. You know what I mean? You, you keep giving me inspiration. Uh, I thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. I was like, oh, please don't take this away. <laughs> thank you for that. My pleasure. Well, you know, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking with us, and it's it's been a real pleasure. And we're going to give everyone out there a double shot from your new release. You guys are going to love this. Oh, baby, 
artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. Shout now, honey. I'm gonna make. 